today in the first reading. If you get a chance to read it, I, uh, I recommend it. It's in the second book of Maccabees, chapter 7. We get just a snippet of the whole account. It's actually a detailed martyrdom of seven brothers uh, and their mother. And they go through a great deal of torture before they're killed. And they go from the oldest to the youngest. And that's bad enough. But it's worse because they do it in front of the mother. The mother has to watch each of her sons die. And the reason I got thinking about this, because that's, I mean, it takes some pretty wicked people to do that. First of all, to torture and kill seven brothers, but to do it in front of the mom. Like, you got to be pretty evil. And that's what's kind of on my heart today, is the reality of evil. The reality specifically of the devil. You ever wonder why we pray the St. Michael prayer after Mass? Every single Mass we have. It's because the devil's real. He's really, really real. And he goes on through the millennia. From gang violence to sex trafficking. Last week we talked about the pornography industry. Abortion. It's all over the place. The devil is real. And in a very unique way, our uh, news media has a very unique way of holding up evil to us every evening. How much bad there is in the world. And so I simply want to touch on seven things. I know that sounds like a lot. Don't freak out. Usually it's only like three points. Seven things. They're quick. First, who is the devil? Second, what do his names mean? Third, what is his main motive of operation? Fourth, what is his goal? Fifth, what is his relationship to Jesus? Sixth, why does he look like he's winning? And seventh, what does it have to do with our parish right now? Because we have to understand that the devil's real. C.S. Lewis said one of the greatest tricks that the devil played on humanity was to make them believe that he wasn't real. Why is that the greatest trick? Well, because if you're not... If you don't believe the devil's real, you don't take him into context in any of your situations within life. Let me give you an example, like unicorns. I don't think about unicorns, ever. Why? Because they're not real. If you don't think the devil is real, you're never going to understand how he is attacking you. So first, who is he? He is not a rival god. You guys understand that, right? The devil and God don't like duke it out in this cosmic battle. The the real battle is not between God and the devil. It's between you and God. Are you going to listen to him? Are you going to submit to him? Are you going to follow his laws and teachings? Or are you going to just go inward and do what I want? The devil just plays off of that. Most of his temptations are to get you to trust yourself. Don't trust God. He was created good. God does not create anything bad. He chose evil. Why he chose it? That's a whole other homily. We'll get to that in the future. He has several names in the Bible. Two particular names. The devil and Satan. Both of his names have meaning. In the Greek, devil is diabolos, which is two Greek words, dia and belime. It means to tear apart. To divide. To scatter. And satanas, another Greek word, means the accuser. Now, there's a few more lines that Jesus gives to us in John chapter 8. 
He says that he is the father of lies and he is a murderer. So think about this. He divides, he accuses, he lies, he kills. It gets worse. In the first letter of Peter, chapter 5, it says very clearly that the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And finally, Jesus says in John chapter 10, the devil is a thief and he has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I hope you are understanding what kind of being this thing is. He causes division and he does it through lies, accusations, and all in an effort to destroy. We should see him so clearly in our lives. It's evident whenever you see lies, gossip, accusations, division, it's the enemy. And what is, what is the relationship to Jesus? Again, he's not a rival of Jesus. St. Michael's the rival of, of the devil. Jesus has already won. He has already conquered in the, the life, death, and resurrection. The crucifixion was the death of the devil. And, and quite honestly, what the Bible tells us is that in this, at the end of time, like there isn't even going to be a battle. It's just going, like in the twinkling of an eye, he is going to be destroyed. So why does it look like he's winning? <clears throat> I want to give you just a little uh, example of uh, an analogy. So D-Day was June 6, 1944. By the way, at the 8.30, I said it was June 6, 1945. And right as I said 1945, this kid shouted out, 44! And I was like, listen, when I ask you questions, you never answer. But when I make a mistake, you call me out immediately in, in mass. So we are very clear it's June 6, 1944, apparently. And once D-Day hit, that was kind of like, that was the end of the war. I mean, once we won that battle, it wasn't long. Once we were in France, we got to Belgium. Once we were in Belgium, it wasn't long to get into Germany and crush the Axis powers. From 19, June 6, 1944 to May 8th, 1945, which was Victory in Europe Day, is when the Nazis and the Axis powers caused the most destruction. It's like they knew they had lost, and so they said, we're going to make it as terrible as possible before we go down. And I submit to you, that's exactly what's happening with the devil. He knows his time is limited. He knows his time is limited. The book of Revelation tells us that. Now, what does this have to do with us? I don't want to reflect so much on the evil of the world. I want to reflect of what can happen here. I want us to be on guard at this parish. And why? Because this is a strong parish. A very strong parish. I would, when I was vocation director, I traveled all around North Dakota, the western side of North Dakota, to see masses this full on Sunday. And it just so happens this is the first weekend of deer hunting, so it should be fuller. They're going to the 6 p.m. And if they don't, I hope they don't get any deer, ever. <laughs> and I hope God rewards me for being here with a big buck. But I want us to be on guard. We have a huge parish. We have huge numbers that come here. We have a school that touches the hearts and minds for hundreds of years and forms children. 
We have a daycare that does the same. We have adoration here. We have a great Knights of Columbus Council. We got a lot of good things going on here. And when you do good things in the church, hell is paying attention. We started some new, with the atrium, we started new religious education over there. Hell is paying attention. The devil woke up. Because when you start to get Jesus into the hearts and minds of people, and they get a, they get a fire burn inside of them, the devil wants you dead. Dead. And what he wants to do more than anything is divide. He knows it. If he can divide, he can conquer. Jesus even said it. A kingdom divided by, against itself cannot stand. And so the way, the way he is going to divide, and what I want us to be very careful of, and I want us to be very, very vigilant, is this. Right here. Our speech. What we say. Why we say it, how we say it, who we're talking about. Because he'll do it in a parish. He'll do it in a school. He'll do it in a family. He'll do it anywhere he possibly can. Because when we use this in the wrong way, we divide. We divide. Our speech. And the devil will start small. He'll tempt us to speak about little things that seem innocuous, but are in the end quite divisive. Careless talk, saying things that we have no business saying, repeating things that we've heard that we don't even know if they're true and we have no business repeating. That all is of the enemy. And we all struggle with this, all of us. I can't tell you the amount of people that have asked me to preach on gossip in the last year. And if the devil can cause enough division through gossip, he can bring down a kingdom. And I think that we have something beautiful going on here. I am blessed to be at this parish. I am blessed. But we need to be vigilant. Because when you start doing good things, he's paying attention. So I want to encourage all of you, myself included, that our common goal is simply to do what he asks. And we do that through prayer. And if I'm thinking of saying something, I should ask myself a question. I should ask myself, why do I need to say this? And if somebody's telling me something, I should ask myself another question. Why do I need to hear this? And if both of those answers to that question are virtuous and upright, then go ahead and talk about it. But if they're not, we would do well to bite our tongue and plug our ears. These are days of great vigilance. And when things are going well and hearts are being changed, hell is watching. So let us be on our guard with how we speak and let us do everything we can to thwart the evil one in his attempts to bring division here in our parish.